Hi, my name's Rhoda Dakar, and you're listening to the Stateside Madness Podcast. Hi there, folks, out there. I'd like you to meet Tommy McGuire's combo. Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness Podcast, the one and only podcast of the official Madness American Fan Service. I'm Lori, along with my co-host, Polly, here to bring you news, reviews, and deep dives into the nutty sound of the British pop band Madness. Well, hello, Stateside Madness. I'm Lori. And I'm Polly. And we've got a very interesting episode today. So today we've got a band from Lori's native Chicago, the Karambis. Yeah, we're going to be talking to Mike, Kevin, V, and Carl. And uh, this is yet another one in our series of bands who are, at least partially, influenced by madness. Now, the Crombies are a well-known ska band with a very interesting backstory. Rather than me talk about it too much, we'll let those guys say it in their own words. Everybody, I am so thrilled to welcome into our studio today a band that's local to me, some Chicago boys, the Crombies. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Hello. thanks for having us. So could you introduce yourselves to our listeners, please? All right. I'll go first because I'm the noisiest one. I'm uh, Mike Park, not that one, the other one, uh, from the Crombies. <laughs> um, singer, front guy, uh yeah, that's that's kind of my my jam. Trumpet player, trumpet player. Yeah, thank for me. I play trumpet from time to time. Oh, so you're like the chess master of the band? <laughs> I get. Well, no, that's Carl actually. Carl's oh, Carl's okay. the, the the uh Carl. He's the guy you're like. Carl, can you play uh horn on this? Yeah, keyboard, sure. Guitar, my hand, no problem. He's that dude for sure. <laughs> v. Hey, I am v. Hello, I'm V. I'm the guitarist. Or one of the guitars. And yeah. Yeah. Kevin Lostrup, bass player, driver of the movie. Yeah. Uh, my name's Carl, and I play keyboards. And I've been with uh, with Mike and V, well, Mike since way back in the early Deals days. I was actually in Deals, I think, before Mike. You and were. And Mike and V, when we decided the Deals retirement band of the Calypsonian. So, we did all that together and then been doing this since conception. Super. So Carl, Carl says he plays keyboards, but one of the things he also does is he, he shits on new music until it's good. 
That's that, that, is, that is also a thing Carl provides. I don't mess it. I wouldn't say I shit on it. I would say that <laughs> I I accurately allow people to question its direction until everybody's agreed <laughs> and sure that it's headed in the right direction. It's just kind of like the woman from the Fruit of Loon commercials would test the underwear. <laughs> ah, yes. Yes. So to round out to round out the band, the guys who aren't here at the moment are Matt Moisler, who's our drummer, and Dave Simon, who's kind of a local legend in Chicago, and he's uh, our rhythm guitar player. And they may or may not pop in as we go. We'll have to find out. It's a bit of mystery right. as they are. <laughs> trying to get some puppet like the uh, finger puppets to represent the missing members. And that would work out, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then there's like this trio, yeah. Okay. Oh boy, good. that's nice. And maybe like a Barbie or something, you know? We have a drama where that pops in. Oh, there is, there is, there is. So, so similar to the specials in Rico, uh, we've got uh, Zelm, Andrew Zelm, who is mostly plays in brass bands, but uh, he comes and plays with us from time to time. He was on our record. Uh, as was Roddy Radiation, but Zelm's one I want to talk about. Uh, so <laughs> Zelm comes out and plays with us from time to time, and it's basically he's like he's kind of like a ringer, like he doesn't come to practice or anything, he just shows up and plays. So he's our Rico, if you want to throw it that way. He's our he's our seventh ruddle, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, fantastic. So tell us a little bit about the history of the Crombies. How did you guys start out? So I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Um, honestly. So th this goes into a little bit of the history of the, the group of dudes that are the Crombies. Um, so you can, you can slice and dice us a, a bunch of different ways. So Dave, Carl, and myself used to be in a band from Chicago called Deals Gone Bad. And that was, uh, I joined in 96 and I was in Deals till probably 2004. Um, v, Carl, and I were in Lord Mike's Dirty Calypsonians following that. Both of those were Jump Up bands. Uh, Chuck ran Jump Up Records. And and, and the way it worked is Chuck ran actually called me one day and goes, hey man, I think, uh, I think you should play some old school like Dirty Calypso, like those risque Calypso songs from the 50s. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, can you get a band together? I was like, okay. And he goes, can you do it by like June? And this is about, about this time of the year, like April. He goes, can you do it for June? I'm like, sure. And he goes, can you open for Dr. Ring Ding at my big festival? I'm like, oh, dude, there's no band yet, but sure. And then we we get the reader. We open the reader up. And I was like, uh, apparently we're called Lord Mike's Dirty Calypsonians. And we're, and we're, we're playing at this festival. So we it was incumbent on us to get a band together real quick. So we did. My feet up on six young girls across my chest. Said, Sweet Lord, Mike has gone to rest now. We did that for a number of years. So, uh, also, Kevin, Dave, 
and Matt the drummer are in a punk band called Anger, and Carl V and I are also in a, a sort of a Madchester cover bands type thing called the In Spiral Parkas. And prior to that, uh, we were uh, we were a a mod sort of Pippen. cover band called the Irving Parkas because V and I lived in the same Irving Park neighborhood. So uh, that's sort of the, the broader history of how you slice and dice us all as as dudes. And with the old um, Mister JJ too. Yeah, JJ, JJ, JJ Jellybean, uh, mayor of the unofficial mayor of Blue Island. So, uh, as as uh, after the Calypsonians ended, um, Chuck Wren from Jump Up got a hold of me and said, "I think you should do a two tone band." And we're like, "Okay." So I started like, I, "Yeah, that actually, sounds like a pretty good idea." So we started reaching because we all grew up on two tone. I mean, everybody loves two tone, and there was not a lot of people doing two tony type stuff, and. Uh, Reached out to Carl, reached out to Dave, reached out to, to V, and that was really sort of the core they got it going. Everyone knows, theoretically, like what two-tone sounds like, right? Like right now, oh, you're in your head, you're imagining English B, you're imagining Select, you're imagining Madness, Specials, all that. But once you start playing it, like you can play the covers, and you're like, okay, well, what is this? And the thing that really surprised the shit out of me, can I cuss on this thing, by the way? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's fine. <laughs> all right, the thing that we really do it surprised all the, time. the shit Good, good, fuck that. <laughs> what fucking surprised the shit out of me was uh, disco bass lines. So what? Madness probably not so much. The specials. Specials for sure. I think that, that first record is all disco bass lines. It's like, bah, 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 bah. you know, it's so it's like, you'd never have thought that. And it, and it takes me back to the days when like we were, in Deals Gone Bad, we were learning how to play Scott and we were doing the 145, you know, like, you know, straight rock thing. And we realized as we listened to this music, we're like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't change where you'd think it would change. Like the ska music, the old school ska music, because Neil was trying to do like ska lights, like that level stuff. It would just stay right in the same progressions, right? And, it, and where rock music would change, it doesn't It doesn't do that. So it was like that sort of an epiphany moment for, for me. So that's, in a nutshell, how I see the Chromies coming together. V, Kevin, I mean, what do you guys think? You guys have some, some, some nuggets to add there? Yeah, well, <clears throat> during pandemic... Uh... Mike and I and Dave, we did a, we did this song for, what's her name again? John Roy? Yeah. Was it the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, smoke and mirror sound system out in San Diego? Yeah. 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 And so we did it and while we were recording it, um, I went over because we were still supposed to be social distancing and all that. And I went over to Mike's house to record a guitar. And we were commenting on the sound of Chicago versus the West Coast and, you know, the ska scene and how Mike was going, yeah, that West Coast sound is very pristine, very clean, very non-complicated. And how I was playing the ska stuff very sloppy and dirty and bluesy and how that was a very Chicago kind of thing. And I think that that's one of the, the telltale things about our version of, you know, the two-tone or what the crombie sound is like, is that we carry a lot of, you know, at least my playing is a lot derivative from from a lot of blues and soul lines and, you know, mixing that kind of history of Chicago with what has been done before with two-tone. I think that's what makes us kind of, and putting a lot of different punk energy into it, like not the 
class of 79, but our version of it, which I think distinguishes us from third wave still, but it's still very aggressive and very in your face. I agree. And, and, and we don't, we don't really have horns to speak of. I mean, zone comes out sometimes I've started playing trumpet a little bit, but like, yeah, we're not a horn band. We're not a horn band. And as a ska band, that's really weird. <laughs> you know, a little bit, a little bit, but I, I like it though. And I, I do, I do pick up the kind of Chicago blues influence that you're talking about me. Okay. So give us a kind of an idea of time frames here because we've got deals gone bad. <laughs> And then well, we've got the Calypso band. So when did the Crombies actually come together, and yeah. how did that happen? What was that? 2011. I saw the other day in a Facebook memory that we played the record release party like eight years ago or seven years ago. That was 2016. So, the record release was 2016. Yeah, 2016. And I think we started in 2011. Yeah, so we started 2011, and again, it was it was it was Chuck Rand suggesting that you know maybe two tone would be a direction we should try, and we tried it out, and and we learned. And again, it's one of those music like you have to learn how to play it because like what is two tone? Like like go ask Jerry Dammers what two tone is. He doesn't know. He just knows what it isn't. You know, so right. he'll he'll tell you like like I mean technically Madness was never on two tone, right? Like they were a two tone era band. Uh-huh. Yeah, but they, I, one they're always, I mean, they were, they were always like, I consider to be like, they were the two-tone bands, but Madness was, was always a little different. In fact, we don't cover a lot of Madness songs because they're really hard. <laughs> Madness, Madness, song, Madness does crazy things with DJs We recorded one Madness song. We did, but it was a Madness Which cover. Was, yeah. It was the it Prince, was Madness, right? It was the Prince and Madness. So that's yeah. really a cover. And that's one of the things that like, honestly, so uh, getting back to your point, the 2000 album we started out. And we did a lot of two-tone covers, mostly two-tone covers. We did one Deals cover, which was kind of a two-tony type. So we two-toned it up to make it a two-tone song. you realize pretty quick is a lot of the two-tone bands were doing covers you know the specials first album was what 70 percent covers you know so it's like so we're not really doing anything different than they did and and at this point so we're about to uh, we're about to to drop we're in the process of putting together our second record which is going to be a lot more like the special second record which is weird (laughs) you know like like the first specials (laughs) record was like pretty in the slot and then that second specials record was like ah that's weird there's a lot of great stuff on it but i think i think our next record is going to be kind of along those lines so it's kind of weird to be like uh sort of following that that two-tone trajectory that the specials were on in a you know sort of discovering for ourselves as we write our own stuff like we've 
I I think our new record's gonna be mostly original. Would you guys agree? That's what I would say. That's gonna be the weird part is that it's gonna be mainly originals. But I think yeah. that the way yeah. the first song that we recorded um, for a compilation came out, and I'm really looking forward to it because it's very much uh, um, it's very much like uh, we're getting our sound definitely like. It's very us. Something, something, yeah, something a lot more us than, you know, any of the bands that we were taking inspiration from. I think we found our own sound and and we're running with that. Definitely in our groove, for that's, sure. That's the beauty. What's the title of that song? That one was uh, Sneaky Even... Pete. Sneaky Pete. Yeah. Okay. Let me just say something. That's the beauty. You can mix like, a bunch of different stuff in with it. So getting back to uh, 2011 uh, and the formation of the Big Hand, heading out to clubs, uh, and this is something we actually ask of a lot of uh, bands that we interview, but was the reception always strong for Ska? Was it all over the place? Did people instantaneously recognize it as Ska, or is it just a different version of a, a rock band that quite quite know what they're getting into multi-layered get it yes especially here in chicago it seems to me that a lot of people really don't know what ska music is it's not like the east coast and the west coast where they're really big ska scenes so yeah how how were audiences receptive to your music well i was gonna say i thought there was a built-in audience based on just historical performances of everybody in the group so at least that kind of propelled it from the start. After that, B can jump it. <laughs> now, I, I tend to agree with Carl. I think that, like, there was, like, so Dave Simon's kind of a thing. So, like, like there's, there is, there is that. There's the fact that it was a bunch of deals, dudes, and a bunch of, like, you know, it's, there was a lot, a lot of sort of built in. And Chuck, Chuck would book us at shows that were ska shows, you know, so we're, we're opening for, mustard plug you know we're we're dropping into some pretty decent shows it's not like we were starting at zero so we were coming into kind of a well-established uh well-established sort legacy. of seeing the clubs yeah legacy the clubs we'd play like these are all places we carl v and i you know dave we've been playing these places for years so it was sort of we were able to drop in a little bit and we, we might have even dropped in a little bit hard uh, I think Kevin once made a comment about how hard we dropped in, <laughs> but, but I don't know. That's, that's just the thing. I think it, it worked out pretty well. Um, and it gave us, it gave us an opportunity to kind of start getting our feet under us because, because again, like I said, we're playing two tone. What's that mean? I don't know. Two tone, like Matt. Okay. It's great. You're playing a bunch of covers. Like what, what is two tone? It gave us a chance to sort of learn it, get it down. Um, and I feel like Chicago has always had a fairly healthy ska scene, but it's not, it's, it's Chicago's like the, the, the capital of the Midwest ska scene, you know, and to V's point earlier, um, I remember back in the deals days, the, the, uh, the West coast guys were all, were all very like Irelandy, you know, like very Jamaican-y and the East coast guys were all very jazzy. And the Midwest guys like us were very boogie woogie, you know, and that's, and that's, I think what has continued on into the Crombies to an extent. I mean, from a, 
from a reception perspective, I know the first thing that scared the living shit out of us was going to England. We got we got invited to a, uh, to a festival over there, and we showed up kind of late. And we're looking at like we're looking at this crowd of like OG people. I mean, these guys were down. These guys were old school ska fans from the first time around, right? And I remember like writing our set list down on with a sharpie because we were late. And I and I got up to the stage and I looked down on the ground and I saw these other set lists. And I started scratching shit out. Fuck, they already played it. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so we start playing it. We have zero idea how this is going to go. We're the first American band this festival's ever hosted. And we're playing it. And we're like, first song, okay, cool. Second song, cool. Third song, people start moving. Fourth song, we win. I mean, <laughs> we actually really succeeded there. And that was such an unknown thing for, from our perspective, I think. that we were like, this could just be a hot mess. We have no idea how this is going to go, but, but it went really, really well. So, but uh, yeah, it's been the specialized experience for us has been fantastic. It was, it's just been so good. Like the people are great. the The experience is great. Um, it, it's pretty soft. I mean, I really love it. I'm looking forward to coming back as soon as I'll have us. Like I, I I'll go back this year, next year, whatever. Man, the Crombies really love playing specialized. So. Okay, and then B's over there giving applause. A little oh, yeah, golf yeah. class there. Oh, bad. Yeah. You guys did a cover of a Clash song for Specialized, didn't you? We did. We did. The English Civil War. Marching home again, hurrah! Da da! Yeah, my boss or underground, hurrah! Da da! I wish it again. I said this all From a, from a reception perspective, I've never felt like we've had any issues. I felt like we've done well. I think when, at the end of the day, when you look at it, you know, I always, genre and, and labels aside, it's like, if you have a quality band and you have a quality band that has the music and the conviction and the talent to pull it off and the personality, because we are entertainers, let's face it, you know, you are going to come over no matter you're going to win over no matter who it is because if you're a good band, you're a good band, period. And I think that some of the shows that we've done, like, you know, bands that we've been, um, you know, glad to play with, but that aren't exactly what, you know, what we're doing at the same time. Like, um... Chromags? Chromags show with a different <laughs> life. We opened up but, with Chromags, and I'm pretty sure they booked that show alphabetically. Crombies, Chromags. <laughs> to assume. <laughs> uh, what was the other one? The one we did at Brower House. That... Oh, it was the alarm. The alarm, yeah. Again, bands that you know, not exactly our vein, but again, you know, you you play to somebody, and you know, and we've done a lot of all ages shows where you play with like 
you know, going on fourth wave, you know, kids. And, you know, they look at us, they're like, oh, the old people, you know. But, <laughs> but you know, we get them going too. And that's a good sign, you know, that you're able to cross over. And right now, like, you know, a lot of Latin bands are, the ska bands are coming up and younger audience and, you know, mainly in Spanish. And we've played with them a couple of times and, you know, we've done well with their crowd as well. So I think, you know, that's a true adage. If you're good enough and you play like you're good enough, you're going to, you know, win some people over and everybody's going to have a good time. Could you guys talk a little bit more about your musical influences? I know you've, you've alluded to some of them. Mike, before we started recording, you were kind of telling me who some of your influences were. And now that we're recording... Maybe we can sure, resume that conversation. Sure. I, I will absolutely tell you what I said. Uh, when I was, when I was, so when I was a kid, I was the jam, the special, the madness. Not in that order. Like that, there was always a different, like it was always like, who's number one, who's number three. It would always ebb and flow. But I was always a jam, madness, specials guy, you know, and that's, that's who I was growing up as a kid. Over time, you know, there's like millions of other bands I'm into. You know, it's cool. I like music in general, but, but those are the formative bands. Madness specials of the jam. That's it. That's all there is in my world, you know. So that's that's where I'm coming from. You know, it's funny because Paul Willard wrote a couple books about the specials, and I didn't even know I'd owned them for 20 years. Oh wow! <laughs> I found out they were Paul, and I read them. I was like, "What the heck?" And then when they came out, the Scott Bones came out, and played with us in Chicago, and uh, Paul was actually a pretty pretty big um, uh, Al Capone fan, and we played Reggie's, and Al Capone's hangout was like two blocks from there, and he had yeah. made a he had made a mention on a on a uh, a Facebook post. He was like, "Yeah, I might buy like a fixture from that hotel that I his uh what? they were auctioning up fixtures from that hotel." And uh, Paul was like, "Yeah, I might buy a fixture." I was like, "I looked it up and I was like, Paul, dude, you were two blocks from there when you played Red." <laughs> he was like, "What?" And I was like, "Yes, you were in El Capone's backyard, man." I think about like a big argument like do we need to play money shows or vfw shows for kids and for me i was like i would always rather play a vfw show for kids because they become evangelists man like you can actually make a difference in their life if, they, if you put on a good show for those guys like they'll remember you and it and you may never you may never be huge but you'll always be that band that man this band was so good you know when i saw him at that at that at that the vfw when i was 15 you know, I would always love to play those shows because because I remember as a kid being that kid, being like, oh, no, man. Anybody else? How about you, Kevin? Uh, my favorite band is Fishbone. Fishbone, okay. I know it's one of Dave's favorite bands, too. 
they're like if you would say there was an American two tone band. Uh-huh. That would be it. Fishbone is like the only band. Maybe the untouchable. Yeah, and to Kevin's point, Fishbone was the first that so Metro in Chicago is like was the club when I was yes. young. And uh the first band I ever saw at Metro was Fishbone. And from a from a ska from a ska show perspective when I was young, Fishbone owned everything. Kevin's point, Untouchables were great too, but they were an LA band that I saw I saw the Untouchables in Milwaukee once. You know, it was like they didn't come out here that often, but Fishbone came through a lot. What what year that show? Eighty six? Probably, probably about that. I saw him at uh, what's the Eagles something, the Eagles Ballroom in in the uh, oh over in, in Wisconsin. Yes, and I also I also have to say another band, another band, not quite like another band that was around as much and was almost as big a deal for us in the Midwest was Coasters. Mm. Coasters would come through a lot, and they were they were phenomenal. Coasters put on a great show. Damn. B, you're up. B's got some. No, 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 no. B has to answer this because I want to hear it. <laughs> okay. Well, you, you know what my answer is going to be. You know exactly what my answer is going to be. And which All right. So B, 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 B is a big scritty politi guy. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I am absolutely obsessed with green. All right, B, work your way around that. Well, I think that everybody uh, should probably know that. I am a lover of all kinds. I am very much into the ska thing, the mod scene, um, old 60s beat groups, um, you know, exotica, uh, Latin. So I'm, I'm all over the place, but I think if you were to basically, um, my biggest influence, at least for this band, you know, I really enjoyed um, taking elements of certain things like I love the phrasing, kind of like the Tin Pan Alley phrasing of Madness. I love the quirkiness and how they got a great sound out of the organ in the specials, along with the guitar playing, which I think was very influential to a lot of people, whether you know it or not. I love the rhythms that the English beat got. Shot magazine, give it a spin. Open your mouth inside the barrel in. If you don't like it, just look do it again. It's your finger, finger trigger, 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 click, 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 click. One in 35 will say it's sorry to a bottle. It's your job is good for living up, that's all it does. But think about your overheads twice as much as living. It's your finger, finger trigger, trigger, faster, 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 faster. Um, and just like, you know, certain bands had, you know, very good vibes, you know, uh, but any, what about the who? Oh, if, if Matt would have a, Matt would have a conniption if we didn't mention the who, we all love the who doesn't yeah. love the come on, oh, yeah. let's be honest. Oh, you know, I think that that's under the, the mod umbrella, you know, yeah. them to the ball faces and the canes, you know. The left hand, that's where Matt. Yes. So B, we, I don't know. We incorporate a lot of that into the the new songs that we're doing. 
we're incorporating a lot of that model plus because Matt is a huge, you know, early hoop and he even likes uh, the high number stuff. Um, and so we're doing a lot of, you know, incorporating some of that rock element, that uh, 60s mod element into some of For the sure. songs. For sure. Give them a little bit of life and also give them a little bit of edge. Because sometimes you can't bash these out, you know, to punk rock or else people won't dance, they'll just sit there confused. Well, and more of our... A little bit of a beat, you know? More of our other new song is like, Surf, even. Surf, yeah. Like surf meets modern, uh, meets northern soul, meets ska. So it sounds Santa. like a little bit of something for everybody, huh? Yeah, this is what we're working on. <laughs> and by the way, I got to throw out there, B's probably not going to mention it, but he is in a absolutely phenomenal Latin psychedelic band called Cabeza de Chivo. It is so good. If you get really? a chance to check them out, please do. They are amazing. I have a poster right now. Yeah, it's a fun band. We get to play organ mainly on it. Yeah, I have a 1969 Yamaha organ, which is really fun to play. You know, that combo organ type sound, but make it really sexy. Are they affiliated with Bloodshot Records? I'm trying to think what... No, we're not signed yet. We've only been uh, we've only been a band for a year and a half, but so far success has been really good for us. It's in it's our incompetence that makes us well developed because we have no social media presence, no record yet, no and nothing online with our music except for live videos. So the only way you, you could find out about us through word of mouth and through going to shows. And somehow that's turned into a formula for success because people like digging us out, you know. They're jaw-droppingly good. They're yeah. really good. <laughs> yeah. I'll definitely have to check it out. But wait, 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 you can't, you, no, 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 you can't go to those shows unless you also go to Crombie shows. So just throwing that out there. Cause <laughs> well, let's, let's keep I'm it on ha- point. Let's keep it on I'm track. I'm happy to. I am happy to. I honestly, uh, um, now that the pandemic is subsiding, you know, I'm, I'm starting to venture out and go to see live music again. And speaking of which, what has the live music scene been like post-pandemic what are you guys noticing honestly it's really everyone wants to play shows and go to shows and it really came back to life in my opinion i see a lot of it as yeah like a lot of it has um there's a lot more groupings of, of bands like they're not small shows where you're only two bands a lot of them I noticed have been a lot more like four or five bands on one, you know, because there's so much they need to have something a successful night. Right. And I've noticed that there's not a lot of money like before, but people are buying a lot more in merch, which is supporting a lot of bands. So I think that that's a, a good bonus that we make up for it with that. Yeah, it did, it did seem during the pandemic that uh, with the absence of being able to go out to shows, uh, there was a lot of conversation about uh, all the people that go into making shows successful. Even um, with smaller bands, uh, you know, fewer roadies, but uh, people selling merch, and uh, people started to look at the music scene as a bit more of, um, an ecosystem and people started to pay attention to it more and have a little bit more sympathy for all these people that they didn't understand were involved. So glad to hear that there's you no know, more people on a bill 
uh, more merge selling. Um, yeah, I think it short so, sort of shows that people are appreciating uh, musicians and uh, the effort they put into it. So I think that was one nice side effect of the pandemic. So, so to your point, um, the first one of the first shows we played out of the pandemic was uh, was a it was sort of a save the bars show mm. where it was a local a local festival in Chicago where the bands were all playing for free, and we just played sort of like sort of try and get the bars back on their feet because those are that's that's where that's where we live. You know, we have to have those back. Frankly, it was funny because I did it kept getting pushed back because of COVID because COVID kept firing back up. They eventually had it, and I got COVID at it, and it was, but, but it was, <laughs> but it was totally great. But one of the things, like coming out of COVID, I didn't know. Yeah, Kevin also got COVID. One of the things coming out of it, though, is like as a band, uh, especially a band of old people, we realize that we need because the merch thing is actually becoming a thing because people are sort of inherently buying more merch just to sort of support the bands, you know? Because with with Spotify and all that and stuff, like like the traditional. Um, you know, like recording artist thing, it's kind of broken, you know, like there's no really way to do that anymore unless you're huge. So merch, even with the big bands, the touring bands, we understand merch is really where they make their money. And we, we had to scramble as a band because we are, the fact that we don't have our second record out yet and sort of, it sort of shows that we're kind of lazy. So, but we had to, we, we have recently figured out how to take cards and how to, you know, how to do things like that because we were still playing like 1980s band merch, dude. Like, yeah, t-shirts are 20 bucks. Here's a card. I don't know what to do with that because, but we, we have eventually figured that out. But that's one of the, one of the after effects that we've noticed from COVID. But it's actually helped us to sort of up our merch game. And once you get that going, it's, uh, it, it's helpful. You know, it, it gets us to a place where we can actually fund the studio time we need. We can fund, um, gas to do trips to go play shows out of town you know these are things that uh, uh if we go overseas we have the money in the bank so it doesn't cost guys like we're not going out of pocket as as individuals to go to the uk as an example we're doing it as a band so that's that's we covid forced us to get a little better at our merch game i would say well the sad fact is that there's a lot of venues that are closing like chicago before even pandemic lost you know three of the smaller size clubs and you know they're you know like losing the double door for example was a huge blow yeah i love that but yeah a lot of you know i work at uh the riviera theater and i do bartending there but you just see from like the kind of shows that they're having versus the kind of shows that they used to have and this just goes in a general direction that a lot of the younger generation doesn't seem to be very much into the late night thing. They seem to be more into like the matinee shows. They seem to be into a lot quieter shows. So it's kind of like a dying thing, of like having the loud rock and roll late night thing. And I think that that has affected a lot of bars. And so they're looking at the bottom line. And I think that that's why a lot of bars don't do bands anymore, or, you know, or those are losing out because of DJs. So I think that's why there's a big clumping of music to, you know, keep the venue exciting and, you know, a new amount of people in turnover so that they all don't leave after one performance, you know. 
talking about this new album that you're working on what can you tell us about it other than the fact that we know now this is original not covers we know that much what else give us the scoop here Um, i i think that uh it's finally us able to uh now that we have the pieces in place you know we have a solid lineup that you know an established lineup and we're able to like you know for example kevin was the last person to join um, on bass and you know he brings something from his old band and you know and he's got a certain kind of energy that fits well with our band too and so I think that now that we've been established for a while they were able to grow musically and everybody's bringing something new in and we've been performing for the last half year the three songs now one is uh, an instrumental. The other one, the one I told you, Stinky P, that we recorded. And the one Mike wrote called Putting on Airs, which is the one that I said was a mixture of uh, Northern Soul and Mod and the Scott thing. And I think the first one, which is called Unsavory Types, and that one I wrote almost like a tribute to the first wave of the Skylight Sound, instrumental jazz inspired. And that's one that Mike actually plays the trumpet on. And coming up with ideas for songs, I don't listen to just, you know, what was done already. I try to find a source. And having been in the Calypso band, having listened to Mento, having listened to New Orleans R&B and, you know, and all, you know, blues and all these other things that led to how Scott developed, you know, I like to go to that source and see where, you know, how people in the 70s got that and mixed it in and made it, you know, into what two-tone was. So I try to go that way backwards and restructure it with a different identity. But uh, so that first song, Zaver Types, I pretty much wrote it like a love letter to Scatolite, but made it also two-tone at the same time. So it's pretty exciting. And don't let D sell himself short. B is pretty much our arrangement. Like I will bring you, bring you an idea. I'll have a progression down. I'll have I'll have a melody down. I'll have like a skeletal bass line down. I'll have an idea in my head what I want the vibe to be like. And then he hand it to V. And it, V will start working on it. And we'll start playing it. And V will sort of like dial it in. And then we look at Carl. And if Carl's making the shit face, then <laughs> we, we dial it in a little differently. And then we dial it until Carl, until Carl looks like, until Carl's like, maybe. And if Carl Just says maybe, maybe we know we got something to deal with. <laughs> so like, that's basically the way it works. And uh, it's going to be, like I said earlier, it's going to be sort of like the trajectory of the specials. The specials started out as doing covers of the, the songs their friends' parents' records were. And... We're doing cover. We did initially our first record was a lot of covers of, of songs that that you know, it was us learning how to play two tone, and now we've got a, uh, 
this next record is going to be not so much us playing two-tone as us playing crappies. And it, it's going to be kind of fun. I think people are going to like it. I'm really excited about the stuff we're putting together. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so you guys mentioned meeting Paul Weller. Paul Weller, I can't talk. You guys mentioned meeting Our... Paul Weller. Paul we, Weller. Did, we didn't meet Paul Weller, but we did play at the same time as Paul Weller at Riot Fest. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. All right. However, David however, and I shouted at Paul Weller. Oh, you shouted at Paul Weller. We shouted at him, yes, in the green room. Okay, well, because I was going to ask, being that we are a Madness podcast, have any of you met any members of Madness? No, we're supposed to see him when he came and COVID happened. I had tickets for the Boston show. I think Mike had tickets for the New York show, right? Oakland. It was Oakland. Oakland okay. Yeah. Probably was supposed right. to go to the Boston show. I was going to Oakland. Uh, I was so cool. Trout. I was like, I've never been to Boston. So a friend of mine and I got a hotel there. We we're supposed to do this whole thing for my birthday. This was on that weekend. And it never happened. And then when it canceled the show, not even rescheduled, I was really, really bummed out. But I did get to see uh, Suggs do the Our House musical in London where he played a dad. So that was awesome, but not the same. Not the same. So that that same Riot Fest where we didn't meet Paul Weller because we played a date. So Riot Fest is a big big festival in Chicago, as you know. But we played it a few times, and I was like, "All right, the only the only thing I'm concerned about is not playing at the same time as Paul Weller." We totally played at the same time. All right. <laughs> but the next day, um, Billy Bragg played. And we we do uh we do a ska version of uh of Levi Stubbs Tears. So I got to meet Billy Bragg backstage, and I was like, "Hey, hey, it's really good to meet you. You know, I've been a big Billy Bragg fan for years." And I was like, "Yeah, uh, we my band played yesterday, and we did a version of Levi Stubbs Tears, kind of ska style." And he was like, "Oh, I'd really love to hear that in a very earnest, very Billy Bragg way." And I was like, "I panicked. <laughs> it's like, will you send it to me?" And I'm like, "Yes." I totally didn't send it to him because I completely panicked. Like, holy crap, I can't send this to Billy Bragg. It's one of the only songs we have on Spotify. So at this point, he's probably heard it. And uh, we haven't been accosted by lawyers, so I guess we're good. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> It, I think we do a very good job of that song, and it's actually when we play when we play it live. It's one of those songs that, uh, like I, I kind of use as a barometer. Like when we're playing Levi Stubbs Tears. If you're into it in the crowd, I know you're pretty a solid. Like you're kind of a solid, solid person. <laughs> like like if you know Billy Bragg and you know this dude, like yeah, you're you're solid. You know that's good. So and if you don't, that doesn't mean you're not solid. But it's like 
it's one of the things that I use when we're, when we're performing, like, oh yeah, that beats, that beats, I'm not going to talk to that guy, you know, like, uh, we do, uh, uh, what's, uh, Plastic Gangsters, you know, there's just a few, few covers we do that are, uh, uh, Staring at the Rude Boys, who's that V, who did that one? The Ruts. Yeah, the Ruts, so it's, it's one of those, there's those few, those, those few deep cuts that we, like, if people get super stoked on Feel Good. Yeah, Dr. Feel Good is another one. Well, people get super stoked on the deep cuts we're covering because we're not just covering the English beat or specials, you know. So, um, when people get stoked on the deep cuts, like those are people you probably want to go say hi to and talk music, you know, because those are guys who recognize what you're doing and got excited, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of Riot Fest, I'm probably going to cut this out. Um, no, I, no. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> and whenever I say that, Polly, it's just I have to keep it in. No, uh, prior to stateside madness uh i had a facebook page for many years called bring madness to riot fest oh that's so, a good one absolutely no love for the american midwest from madness which i'm salty about I right have, 1983 1983 have, was the last time they played out now if they do that go up since 1983 i'm just saying like like i don't know who told madness the midwest wouldn't love them but we would and do. <laughs> so please come. <laughs> like, like, right. Like if, time, if your last time playing the Midwest was 1983, give us one more try, please. Because I would definitely promote the hell out of that shit. And we would be happy to open, by the way. Just let Madness know that we said that. Uh, we we'll would do. love to open for Madness. We'll do so. that. So uh, it, we'll, we'll kind of start to wrap it up here. But I have to uh, ask everybody who is your favorite member of Madness. My favorite member of Madness to an embarrassing extent is Suggs, obviously. Like, that guy was my goddamn idol in high school. I had the Suggs haircut. <laughs> it was, I was all Suggs, all day, all the goddamn time. He was the coolest dude. He was really old me as a youngin. And I hope one day to meet the guy, just to shake his hand and go, right on, man. <laughs> like, like, I appreciate all the shit you did. You are awesome. Come to so that, Chicago. That's for Please. me. That's for me. What do you think, B? Oh, I don't know. Um, Jeff was great because he brings the, he, you know, brings the energy and he's like, you know, visually exciting. And also he bounces a lot of slugs and they play off each other. But I think that the keyboard is very important to them. Mike Barson. Yeah. Um, very instrumental in the writing from when I hear their music. You know, I can tell they're all like based on piano tunes, the majority of them are. And, you know, you can almost like see them writing around that. And, and by the way, when they did that, uh, they did that, uh, what was that song? Uh, we Want Freddy as Our Leader with. Uh, oh, yeah. Ian Dury. Ian Dury. Like, Ian Dury. Fred. Fred. Yeah, they are are the same dudes you know like they are like absolutely like of the same cut that sort of english carnival sort of like yes. like and fan alley sort of awesomeness that song was so goddamn life-changing like like it wasn't life-changing because i was already old but it was like when i saw that it was one of the one of the first songs in years that really got me to go holy fuck you know Wait, like the, 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 what is it? We want Freddy for our... Drip Fed Fred. Uh, drip Fed Fred, yeah. Drip Fed Fred, yeah. And so we did good. a whole, we did a whole episode on Ian Dury and how he was such an influence on madness. 
I, I so a buddy of mine came over from Inverness That's and he had a biography of Ed Dury on the plant, like on the, at the airport. Uh-huh. Read it, he handed it to me. He's like, This is pretty good, read it. And I read it and I was like, Holy shit, like this is awesome. And then I saw uh, uh, Drip Fed Fred and I was like, God damn, this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And the latest Madness record, the uh, Death of a Rude Boy, that shit is that shit is like mad- Madness is Ghost Town is what that is. That is yeah. awesome. Oh, that was a while ago. Chad Smash has been out of the band for three years. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and by the way, the only reason I mentioned Chad Smash is because I think he was the original Bez from Happy Monday. Oh, absolutely. He was Bez yeah. before Bez was Bez. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Except he learned to play and Bez didn't. <laughs> um, Kevin, you haven't weighed in yet. Who's your favorite Madness member? Uh, um, not pandering where I say this, but Reed Thompson. Yes, that's my guy. <laughs> that's my guy. So I, I think I told you before before we we started recording. Uh, one of the specialized we did. We usually leave on Sunday because we need to get back to you know whatever. And uh, I remember like we're getting ready to go, and I looked across the parking lot. Lee Thompson was over there, because like, he they they usually have like a pretty good dude come do like a Q and A on Sunday, and uh. I saw him. I was like, holy shit, that is goddamn Lee Thompson from Madness, for fuck's oh, sake. You're like, that's Lee Thompson. Like, <laughs> I did not get a chance to talk to him, but goddamn it, if I didn't see him from across the parking lot, man, that was so good. All right, to kind of wrap this up then, um, where can our listeners find out more about the Crombies and uh, like where you're going to be playing and all that kind of stuff? Facebook, Instagram, word of mouth. YouTube. <laughs> and and our, unfortunately, listeners can't see. He had like some very elaborate kind of uh, pantomime when, gestures when he was no, doing. I'm yes, yes. Our show is Scapleton, right, B? We're playing in Scapleton on May 13th, and that's in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. It's a legendary it, ska festival. Yeah. And it, it is a very ska festival. Last time I played Scapleton was in 1998 with Deals Gone Bad. But it's been. I think I think it died for a little bit, but they're firing it back up. Uh, we're playing it at Cobra Lounge in Chicago at Motoblot this year. What uh, are big playing also in Valhalla's um, is sponsoring um, in Oak Park. They close off. Oh, Harrison the spring and it's part. It's called um, What's Blooming, and it's an arts festival. And so we're at, we got asked to be the headlining band for the outdoor fest. So that should be fun. So you guys are going to be busy the next few months, then, huh? We, yeah. We've actually had we've had a lot more shows than is normal, which you know it's pretty good. So I would say look for a new Crombie's record in the next twelve months. Hopefully, a lot sooner than that. But but we do have one in the pipe that we're working on, and uh, yeah, we're always all over the place in Chicago. So keep an eye out, keep an eye out on Facebook, keep an eye on Instagram, and uh, we're around, man. We love hanging out. We love we love beat people. We love talk to people. We love playing because you should. Uh, well, well, well. We're playing with the Acrolytes at. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. Shop shop in August. Correct me. August eighteenth. Yeah, that is correct. August eighteenth in Chicago. Acrolytes. If you've not seen the Acrolytes, they're goddamn amazing. Fantastic band. Yeah, but... Let's see. If you haven't seen the Acrolytes, come see the Crumbies. <laughs> so thank you. Mike, V, Kevin, and 
Yeah, it was Carl that Carl. was with us it briefly, was cool. right? Yeah, it was Carl. Well, that was really cool. What did you think, Polly? Yeah, interesting guys. Definitely a handful. Um, as you might imagine, no wonder they're fans of the Nutty Boys, too. But yeah, that was really, really cool and generally decent, down to earth type guys. And uh, I'd say I'm a, I'm definitely a fan now. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, I mean, they're local to me and I've never seen them, but with the pandemic the last few years, I really haven't seen too many concerts. And now that I'm starting to venture out more, I'm definitely going to make it a point to go see them. So um, they're very, very nice of them to drop by and to give us their time. So we thank you, gentlemen. Polly, do you want to introduce the closing song? Yes, why not? Uh, as mentioned in the episode, these guys have done a cover of the Madness song, and a good one, and a great one. The first one, it would be The Prince. All right, so we'll be back in two weeks, and we're going to probably do an album deep dive, it sounds like, Polly. Yeah, I think so. We'll be talking about the record store day release of the next in the series of B-Sides album. Fantastic, so that'll be in two weeks. Until then, it's a goodbye from me. Hey, that's a goodbye for me. Go get a beer, Stateside Madness. Earthquake is erupting, but not in Orange Street. Our ghost dance is preparing. You got to help us with your feet. Well, if you're not in the mood to dance, step back, grab yourself a seat. Yes, man, I'm in uptown Jamaica, I would promise you a treat. But to blow me over with the bogey dash, shovel me off my feet. Even if I kept on running, I'd ever get to Orange Street. So I leave it on myself to say, for the man who set the beat. So I leave it up to you out there, to get him back on his feet. Shovel me off my feet Even if I kept on running I'd never get to 